Section 36 of the Animal Story Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by April 6090, California, United States of America. The Animal Story Book. Edited by Andrew Lang. Hame, 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 or I fain wad be. By Mrs. Lang. Hame, 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 or I fain wad be. Nothing in nature is more curious or more difficult of explanation than the stories recorded of animals conveyed to one place, finding their way back to their old home, often many hundreds of miles away. Not very long ago, a lady at St. Andrew's promised to make a present to a friend who lived somewhere north of Perth, of a fine cat which she wished to part with. When the day arrived, the cat was tied safely up in a hamper, put in charge of the guard, and sent on its way. It was met at the station by its new mistress, who drove it home, and gave it an excellent supper and a comfortable bed. This was on Friday. All Saturday it poked about, examining everything as cats will, but apparently quite happy and content with its quarters. About seven on Sunday morning, as the lady drew up her blind to let in the sunshine, she saw the new puss trotting down the avenue. She did not pay much attention to the fact till the day went on, and the cat, who generally had a good appetite, did not come in to its meals. When Monday came, but the puss did not, the lady wrote to her friend at St. Andrews, saying she feared that the cat had wandered away. But she would make inquiries to all the houses round, and she hoped to find it. On Tuesday evening, loud mews were heard outside the kitchen door of the St. Andrew's house, and when it was opened, in walked the cat, rather dirty and very hungry, but otherwise not at all the worse for wear. Now, as anybody can see if he looks at the map, it is a long way from St. Andrew's to Perth, even as the crow flies. There are also two big rivers which must be crossed, the Tay and the Eden, or if the cat preferred coming by train, at least two changes have to be made. So you have to consider whether, granting it an instinct of direction, which is remarkable enough in itself, the animal was sufficiently strong to swim such large streams, or whether it was so clever that it managed to find out the proper trains for it to take, and the places where it must get out. Anyway, home it came, and was only two days on the journey, and there it is still in St. Andrews for its mistress had not the heart to give it away a second time. Trains seem to have a special fascination for cats, and they are often to be seen about stations. For a long while, one was regularly to be seen traveling on the Metropolitan Line between St. James's Park and Charing Cross, and a whole family of half-wild kittens are at this moment making a playground of the lines and platforms at Paddington. One will curl up quite comfortably, on the line right under the wheel of a carriage that is just going to start, and on being disturbed, bolts away and hides itself in some recess underneath the platform. Occasionally you see one with part of its tail cut off, but as a rule they take wonderfully good care of themselves. The porters are very kind to them, and they somehow contrive to get along, for they all look fat and well-looking and quite happy in their strange quarters. Of course, cats are not the only animals who have what is called the homing instinct. 
sheep have been known to find their way back from yorkshire to the moors north of the chevois where they were born and bred although sheep are not clever beasts and they had come a roundabout journey by train but there are many such stories of dogs and one of the most curious is told by an english officer who was in paris in the year eighteen fifteen one day as the officer was walking hastily over the bridge he was annoyed by a muddy poodle dog rubbing up against him and dirtying his beautifully polished boots now dirty boots were his abhorrence so he hastily looked around for a shoe-black and seeing one at a little distance off at once went up to him to have his boots reblacked a few days later the officer was again crossing the bridge when a second time the poodle brushed against him and spoilt his boots without thinking he made for the nearest shoe-black just as he had done before and went on his way but when the same thing happened a third time his suspicions were aroused and he resolved to watch in a few minutes he saw the dog run down to the river-side and roll himself in the mud and then come back to the bridge and keep a sharp lookout for the first well-dressed man who would be likely to repay his trouble the officer was so delighted with the poodle's cleverness that he went at once to the shoe-black who confessed that the dog was his and that he had taught him this trick for the good of trade the officer then proposed to buy the dog and offered the shoe-black such a large sum that he agreed to part with his breadwinner so the officer who was returning at once to england carried the dog by coach and steamer to london where he tied him up for some time in order that he should forget all about his old life and be ready to make himself happy in the new one when he was set free however the poodle seemed restless and ill at ease and after two or three days he disappeared entirely what he did then nobody knows but a fortnight after he had left the london house he was found steadily plying his old trade on the pont henri quatre a northumbrian pointer showed a still more wonderful instance of the same sagacity he was the property of one mr edward cook who after paying a visit to his brother the owner of a large property in northumberland set sail for america taking the dog with him they travelled south together as far as baltimore where excellent shooting was to be got but after one or two days sport the dog disappeared and was supposed to have lost itself in the woods months went by without anything being known of the dog when one night a dog was heard howling violently outside the quiet northumberland house it was admitted by the owner mr cook who to his astonishment recognized it as the pointer which his brother had taken to america they took care of him till his master came back and then they tried to trace out his journey but it was of no use how the pointer made its way through the forest from what port it started and where it landed remain a mystery to this day end of section thirty six this recording is in the public domain